Things change from one generation to the next. Attitudes, politics, technology, even lifestyles. But when it comes to business, there's one thing every generation has in common. The pursuit of excellence. Welcome to Generation Excellence. A conversation with next-gen leaders of family businesses who are working to preserve the past and innovate the future. And now, here's the host of Generation Excellence and a third-generation business owner himself, Jamie Michelson. Jamie? In our country right now, science has never been more important. Episode 21 is the story of how ECA Science Kit Services came to work with school districts to bring excitement and curiosity back to science classrooms. Heidi Harlan is the second generation at this unique company that helps teachers gather the materials they need for science lessons. Please join me in class with Heidi and get a lesson in Generation Excellence as she explains how ECA is helping the next generation of science students, whether at home or in school, achieve excellence. So, Good morning, Heidi Harlan. Thanks for joining the Generation Excellence podcast. Thank you so much, Jamie, for having me. I'm very excited to be on. Representing ECA Science Kits, and I know you from some being connected or brought together from the large Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program. Yes. So we're two of 10,000. We'll let somebody else do the math on that percentage. but you know, one of the things that's been enjoyable for me in doing this podcast, where we're sort of celebrating and learning lessons from generational family businesses, and you representing the second generation in a proud business, is to learn or understand sort of the idea that then actually became a business, or kind of the founding story or stories. And you know, I understand that your father, who's kind of the creator, builder, founder of this business has some, comes from a different perspective and interesting background that is, that is the roots of, of ECA Science Kits. So tell it as you understand it, know it, uh, and we'll go from there. Okay. Um, yeah, so my dad, Dennis Harlan, um, is founder of ECA uh, Educational Services is our uh, parent name, and we okay. uh, have a DBA as Science Kit Services, so people know us as both. Um, and I guess it all started, uh, it launched back in the 1980s was sort of when it started um, to be this service company. And my dad's business partner at the time um, was a fellow named Don Herbert. Um, I, I don't know if you know that name. He was better known as Mr. Wizard. Mr. Wizard, yep. Yeah, he was the, um, for those who don't know, the original Bill Nye before MTV came and Bill Nye became Bill Nye. He was the original Bill Nye. Um, So Don and my dad were business partners and they, Don had a TV show on Nickelodeon um, like Bill Nye. And um, my dad had this idea to do school assembly shows based on this uh, science and these hands-on exciting kind of science. And so Don and my dad did that. And, uh, They launched this assembly show program. And while this was going on, um, my sister, when she was about, I don't know, six, seven, eight years old, um, she came home from school and she declared that science was boring and for boys. Mm -hmm. And my dad was like, what is going on? You know, his business partner was like the number one science teacher, if you will, of the country. How is this little girl not curious? What turned her off at such a young age? 
And he went um, from there and got a grant from the NSF, the National Science Foundation. Oh, and he went around the country to uh, document on TV. There was a TV show called Teacher to Teacher with Mr. Wizard. Um, and they documented <laughs> science in the classroom. And when this TV show aired, um, it, it displayed how teachers were teaching and you know things they could do and things um, you know what they what they could do for hands-on stuff, and so when it aired, my dad started to get you know thousands of phone calls saying we want to teach this way, and you know where can we get this stuff? And so there were two curriculums at the time. There was FOSS and STC, which were like the hands-on curriculums. And um, what my dad realized through this NSF grant was the teachers wanted to teach this way. They loved teaching this way. The students engaged but all of the burden fell on the teachers sure. to replace the materials, cut the string, you know, supply the materials that don't come in the kit that the teachers now may have to go out of pocket for. And, and how your father was a teacher then? In, so in... my dad studied education in okay. uh, over at University of Michigan. Um, he never became a teacher. He, he actually uh, was a trampolinist over at the University of Michigan, which is a, another story. Um, but my mom is a teacher. She was special ed and she was over in Detroit public schools. And so when my dad, you know, motivated by my sister, saw this opportunity to support teachers with materials, he started maintaining the kits as they came. And then he started to get phone calls where teachers said, we don't have time to draw the lines on the cup. We don't have time to cut the aluminum foil into the four by four squares. And my dad was like, well, what's the big deal? Here's a pair of scissors, here's a marker, just do it. And my mom was like, we don't have time. And so that was sort of how he launched into the value added service of our company. And uh, now we are in uh, 10 or 11 different states and um, yeah, coast to coast, California, all the way over back to New York and yeah. New Jersey. I mean, that's what I was saying, the, 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 the story of how businesses come about it, what was the idea? What's the background of people? Uh, we use this phrase a lot in our business. It's all in the prep, you know, that oh, yeah. work. And, and it sounds like your father recognized or the teachers knew they had to have all these materials and pieces ready, but if they don't have the time, then the science education and curriculum is not going to be as exciting and entertaining. And yeah. And it turns into a demonstration. I mean, when you don't have the time to do something, you do the best you can and you go to plan B and we really wanted to avoid that. We, you know, my dad's motivation was to make sure that his daughter had the experience in the classroom. And um, yeah, I really like that phrase, Jamie. I think I'm going to steal that for our team over here. Oh, this, 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 these conversations are all about beg, borrow, and steal of ideas from each other. <laughs> Please do. I. That's why I do it. <laughs> I've, there are a few phrases and, and concepts. I've, I scribble these notes down and share back with the guests and, uh, I mean, I'm just, I was never very good on the trampoline, but I'm just picturing there's, there's science even at work there uh, and physics and, and everything else sort of then being a plus plus a little bit of theater and show uh, yes. being applied I, to business, which more yeah, businesses if, need. If you go all the way back to my dad's story and he started as a trampolinist and he would earn money in the summertime you know, touring around with fairs and charging people to jump on his trampoline. And then he'd sleep on the trampoline and live, you know, the, the carnival life, if you will. 
But that uh, eventually evolved into, now this is the real Genesis story, that eventually evolved into um, my dad booking uh, shows, right? And doing, sure. you know, halftime shows and that kind of thing. And then that evolved into um, my dad booking other entertainment shows, bands and um, for other events. And he launched ECA, Entertainment Consultants of America. And from Got there, it. it continued to grow into the assembly show program and it evolved into Educational Consultants of America. Super. Excellent story. And, and so it, how, I mean, did it very quickly exp expand because teachers talk to each other or principals? How, how, how did it, to use science, how did it spread, grow, blossom, whatever? Yeah, it, um, well, what happened was he supported my grade and then I think he supported my sister's grade or my brother's grade, I can't remember, but there were two of us he supported in science. And then the next year, some of the students in our classes went to other schools in the district. And so when they went to the other schools, it was the parents that said, where's all the stuff? My kids were so excited about science. They were talking about it at the dinner table. Where's all the stuff at this school? And so from there, it was just word of mouth. And, um, and then we started to expand, you know, locally and then outside of Michigan as well. And then and that curriculum or those curriculum, those sort of set curriculum standards that you were talking about, is that K through 12, K through six, like what range of classroom support? Does yeah, this so right, the replenishment service is, um, the core of it's really K through five. Okay. Um, mostly because those, the elementary school teachers teach all subjects, right? And then right. when you get into middle school and high school, you've got specialized teachers. Um, so... The, the core of it's K through five. Um, we do middle school as well, and we just started doing high school. We have okay, so now you're going across the range of classes, but the early, so really that entertainment background and, and your, your sister's reaction was trying to bring that joy and excitement and entertain. Um, yeah, entertain, you can say, yeah. Yeah, and, and bring some of the show to science, right? To yeah. fall in love with it and instead of, shying away from it is that fair yeah i think that's fair to say i think my dad was um you know he always says that science is everywhere like you know when my sister came home and said science was boring and for boys he his thought was what turned her off why is she not interested in it anymore why is she not curious um because if you're curious about something you want to explore it you want to read about it you want to do that math problem about it you want to solve it i mean you want to just get engaged in it. And so I, that's where it came from is just engagement and curiosity. And is there, so, I mean, I guess, you know, employees number one and two are really your parents, right? I mean, this yeah. kind of started, I assume in the home. Yeah. You in our garage, yeah. in the garage, uh -huh. you, if the family's in the classroom. So, I mean, you grew up with this from the earliest of, of days, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, in the warehouse uh, when I was, very young, counting, sorting, putting stuff away, cleaning. <laughs> and 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 the your own classrooms that you were in. I mean, your mom brings perspective as a teacher, but your own classrooms were then the laboratory. I mean, you were you were a focus group of one or two. Also, it sounds like yeah, that's things went on. I've never thought of it that way, but I have. I I guess I have done the full three hundred and sixty with our service. You know, I was 
one on the other side of it is served like, by it. Sure. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the additional 360 will be then as you have kids and they go into school and that'll be a, a pretty neat, a pretty neat thing. Um, so your involvement, you, you go through school, is there, is you're a student or is your head, I'm going to get involved in this business that, you know, that my father created or were no. you on a, were you on a path to a trampoline or something else? What was your, no, I wish, right. Um, my dad was, we had a trampoline growing up and my dad was stay in the middle, be very careful, <laughs> just, just stay in the middle. So very cautious with us on the trampoline. Um, no, my path was film. So I, uh, in high school started to develop an interest in, uh, film and editing and production and became president of video yearbook <laughs> in high school. And then, um, I went to school at university of Colorado and studied film out there. And then from there, I got some internships out in California, um, at 20th century Fox. Okay. And I just took a path in the entertainment industry. So the entertainment industry is in the blood. That's also in the this blood, sort yeah. of this, this, this. So wh where is the place where you go from sort of being in entertainment and film and that form of storytelling to getting involved? You know, how, how, how did you get back here into, back <laughs> into the family biz? Um, so I went from California to New York, back to California. And I was um, back in California for a long time. Um, and I started on the production side of things, but the producer I worked for in New York, um, he really turned me on to the marketing side of things. I loved storytelling and um, that really spoke to, the, to the, that interest of mine, the marketing side of it did. And so I started working at a trailer house, which is um, where you cut trailers and sure. TV spots and stuff like that. And then from there, I got um, an opportunity back at 20th Century Fox working for the CMO. And, and he's also the president of marketing um, over at 20th Century Fox for uh, domestic film. And he was one of, uh, he was a great influence on me, um, the CMO he had a really great strategy of working with people, but I also got to see the marketing team from like a bird's eye view. I saw how all of the departments kind of came together. And um, I eventually moved into a focus of digital marketing at, at Fox. And then I got poached back by the producer in New York to go back and um, be the director of marketing for his film and theater projects. And when I was back in New York, I got burnt out. Um, you know, I think my definition of success sort of evolved and changed as I went through my I experiences. Understand. And initially I kind of defined success as, you know, if somebody can recognize where I work and who I work for, then I'm in a successful path. Um, but as my career evolved, um, for me, success changed. What I really wanted, what really made me feel successful was if I could contribute to the community and if I could make, leave the world a better place in some way, shape or form. And I wasn't really getting that type of fulfillment from the entertainment industry. And so I, um, I made a professional choice and I decided to leave my position and look to see what I wanted to do. 
And when I did that, I, I called my family and said, Hey, you know, I'm probably not coming home for Thanksgiving. I'm going to make okay. this decision and, you know, uh, I need to keep it lean. And at the time, my dad said, great, since you're not doing anything, can you redo my website for me? And I was like, dad, I, you know, I'm a strategist. I'm not a designer, whole different skill set. And uh, he said, well, just give it a try. And, you know, it's a small family business and redoing websites can be very expensive, as you all know, um, but it's necessary. Like you have sure. to have a website. So I said, you know, I'll give it a try and I'll try and help. And then, you know, you can have it redone. So when I started doing that, I started asking questions. And for a very long time, I thought, that we made science kits. And I didn't realize that we provided this service. And so when I started realizing that we provided this service for every science curriculum out there, um, I thought, you know, dad, I, I think I could help you grow this. And That's so then awesome. I came home and we started talking about what it is we do and um, what it looks like. And then I started talking to teachers and I, I can't explain it when I go in and I talk to teachers about what we do, I feel like a rock star. They are so animated. I mean, they are hooting and hollering and where That's have wonderful. you been? And like this, what we expect of our teachers is just, it's incredible. And I always make the comparison, you know, if, um, if you were an accountant and I said to you, Hey, Jamie, I need you to balance our books, but I'm not going to give you a calculator to do it you'd be like, how am I supposed to do my job without the tools I need to do it? In any other industry, people would raise their hands up and go, what are you talking about? Um, teachers go, yeah, okay, no problem. We'll figure it out. They are so resourceful. They, they don't have all the tools they need, but they still make it work because they care so much for their students. And so I, you know, when I was talking to these teachers as my focus group, if you will, for my own research, it was just eye-opening to me, the support and the need for this. And um, my dad's a lot smarter than I thought he was. <laughs> yeah, there's that discussion as you get older. And I see yeah. Your parents get wiser and smarter and you learn from them. Well, stay on that for a second then. What is, uh, uh, I, I assume that your father, your mother have been kind of mentor to you as you've bounced from coast to coast and we're mm -hmm. doing your early career stuff. Is there some, because you're a storyteller, is there some phrase that that you you know repeat often that was like a mantra of your father's in the early days of this business or or you know his he being the founder and creator and, and you're working with him now um yeah that's that sticks with you or is literally yeah. on the wall yeah um yes i would say that something that my dad often says is um service service is our priority um, and we say that a lot with our, our customers. Um, but to me, that phrase is an external phrase for our customers and how we support them and want to support them. And it is our priority. Um, but it's also an internal phrase, in my opinion, as well, and how as a team, we need to support each other and service each other. And um, I think you know, it's certainly a family business and um, you get that sense of family and support. Um, but just overall, the philosophy of our company is really to provide that um, pillar and support for for teachers and for each other as a team. No, that's wonderful. I mean, it, it also supports, as you said, your even misunderstanding of business. You were around that it was about the kit and the, the stuff. 
-hmm. and it's about the services service and services you provide heavily uh, in which you know so I think there's that phrase selling the invisible when you're selling a service it's a little bit harder to explain to build a website that yeah, so that's an interesting that's an interesting point that I'd like to just build on that idea for a second because in the service company in the service industry I should say you know and I, and I think that my dad was a little ahead of his time with the service industry. Um, now people understand the value of service. I mean, they're outsourcing their groceries. So they really understand the value of service now. But I do think that in our particular business, the people we are selling to are not the end users. We don't actually sell right. to teachers. We're selling to curriculum directors mm, and okay. um, different, a different, at a different, um, they, they're not the ones using the, the actual science kits. And so we have a couple layers to get through and not always direct communication. Um, and that makes it very difficult sometimes and a very slow return on investment. You know, I would say it takes almost a year or sometimes longer for a client to come on board. They've allocated their budgets for the year. I mean, it, it's quite a process to kind of penetrate into that, into this space. Which I found very interesting. And in this this space that we're talking about, you know, K through twelve education, I mean, it's going to go through. It's it's constantly going through change. We're we're doing this recording of this podcast, you know, six seven months into this pandemic, so that's disrupted every industry, schools heavily. What do you? I mean, without being right focused on today, because it's hard not to be. What are you guys excited about? Like, what if you do some future vision planning? What do you? What do you look out there and see for, for the ECA science kits business? So there are three areas I actually want to answer from that one question. Great. So um, I want to talk about what we're excited about for the future, but I also want to talk about the changing landscape um, as a result of the pandemic, but also um, just changes in, in general. I mean, um, so let me, let me start with answering your, your unpack it away. <laughs> yeah. Let me, cause that's a big question. Um, so I think that the, let's, let's start with what's relevant and then it'll probably just flow. The pandemic has been really interesting for us. Um, it has really exposed our capabilities as a company. And okay. there are changes that happen all the time. Um, I certainly never saw a pandemic like this in our future. I don't know that anybody was prepared for something like this. And we changed and pivoted, if you will, to make student packets for districts. And when the pandemic happened, um, I I'm sure like many people, we felt very helpless and we came together as a team and said, what can we do? How can we help? And um, the database, our database, my dad coded from the ground up, which we can come back to that, but um, it's very nimble. And we are able to make these student packets for the science kits. And what's great about us is the nimbleness of our system allows us to customize it. And whatever the district is using, we can help them put materials together that aligns to it, but then they can take stuff out, add stuff in, depending on what their budget is. So we called our clients and said, hey, we can do this for you and make science packs. And they were like, that's a great idea. And this is yeah. in the spring. Great idea. Can you do it for art? Because we can't share paintbrushes. Can you do it for music? Can you do it for ELA? Can you do it for math? Can you do it for social studies? And 
that I got really excited because I was like, oh my gosh, we're more than just science. We're going to have to change our name back to ECA Educational Services because it's not just science. And so I'm clear, are these student packs for use with students physically in school buildings and rooms or for ability to do some virtual delivery of education and they would have or use in their homes? That's a really great question. Um, the the best part about these student packets is that it's useful for all the models. Yeah. You've got the remote model, the hybrid model, and the in-person model. Perfect. What if you're in person and the need arises for a student to go home? Right. They can grab and go these packets. I think also when you're in person, there's a lot of pressure on the teachers to clean um, after students leave the classroom <laughs> or switch right. classrooms. With the student packets, it's all contained in one suitcase, if you will. And they, the students just take it. So it kind of minimizes uh, or helps to minimize some of the cleaning in between the classes because it's all isolated. Um, and then if you're remote and you have this, then you can just jump on virtually. And if you if everyone starts remote and they go back in person, they can just take their their packet with them to finish out the year. So it really it really helps um, with the districts planning and trying to navigate all this uncertainty and all these different models. Um, this is actually a, a helpful solution um, that they could consider uh, for all the models that they might have to navigate. And it also helps keep the, the parents sane, because I think that's a really big conversation too. The parents are going crazy right now. Guardians and parents, like they, it's very difficult. I mean, the new dog ate my homework is the internet is out. Sure. So how do you... So, so that innovation of the student kit or the more focused kit is both something to deal with the here and now, but that's something that you're that you look at as being a an ongoing thing and not just a science kit, but like you mentioned, art and some of the other subject areas that need support. Yeah. And the way we're making I yes, I do think that it could be ongoing. I think that that people will start seeing that type of capability as a solution for some of the needs they have in district. But I think that um, there's, there's other considerations that districts have, which is storage, distribution, and all those logistics, purchasing, sure. buying from all these different places. Um, we can alleviate a lot of that burden. And, you know, a lot of times um, school districts ask for vendors to send it to each and every school, but each and every school does inventory at a different time. So they can't always receive um, the materials as fast. So if everything gets drop shipped to us, we can actually distribute it, store it, um, and keep it organized for the district and get the vendors paid faster, right? Um, so we never thought of that as something that our service would ever do or, or need to do. And now there's a need for it. Um, and so it's expanded. And, and yes, I, I, I think that the, the grade level packets where it's individual student packets might be around, but I think it might just, if, if things go back and they go back into school, I think that there's still a need for these, this logistical part of things. Absolutely. How, how, how many students. how many different school districts in North America does ECA serve? I don't know that number off the top of my head. So we are in um, eleven states now. Okay. And we are 
um, we've expanded out to California now. So we are actually coast to coast now. Great. Yeah. And they, I mean, you've got, I loved your phrase grab and go because so many businesses are trying to figure, figure that piece out. I, I, I guess I don't, I'm not, this is an apolitical podcast, but I got to ask two different questions. I think there's some, you know, as we talk about this gigantic subject of global warming and as just the political sort of division in the nation to some degree is discount, you know, is sort of discounting science, but yet we're trying to excite young people about science. You talked about wanting to contribute to the community, that sort of idea of purpose. Are you, your organization, ECA, helping combat that? Or what do you do to make sure that we still keep young people excited about the sciences? Because we're going to need them more than ever. Um, so I think our role is more, our goal as a company is to really su to support the teachers because ultimately okay. the decision of what science and what curriculum districts are using is up to the district. I mean, going back to one of the things I wanted to unpack about the change question, um, there's often, about every seven years, there's new standards that come out. Mm -hmm. So the when my dad started the company, there were two curriculums, STC and FOSS. Now there's about 10. And some of those are even open sources where it's a free curriculum, but the trade-off is the districts, there's no science kits. So the districts have to go and put all these kits together and get all these materials. And one kit could have 150 items. I mean, it's my wife teaches tutors math. So same right. discussion in that. Right. Board. And so um, our goal is in order to get kids to stay curious, we find that we need to support the teachers with what they have to work with. Great. And so that's where we feel that we can help. And the other would be, so you said 11 states, coast to coast. And, you know, one of the, the key things that needs to be addressed in this country where we have, you know, a, a basis of equality, but so much inequality, would you say that the teachers that you support are, a, are you know, representative? I mean, from some of our most affluent school district areas yeah. down to ones with less resources? Yes, I 100%. I think that um, we work with all different types Wonderful. of school okay. districts and um, different students and families. Yes, 100%. It's all across the board. Because, I mean, I, I guess I'm asking that's a loaded question because otherwise it's a, in effect, continues to perpetuate, you know, um, a, a, an unfair playing field if you don't have this support for students wherever it is they go to school. Yeah, I think right. equity is really, that's the term, ever, you know, people use when it comes to making sure that everybody has access to the resources mm -hmm. they need in education. And so, you know, we want to make sure that students have what they need and not everyone has the bandwidth on their internet. Not everyone has enough devices. You know, they have multiple kids in the household. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of different variables and everybody's in different situations and has different needs. And I think that's where I feel like these uh, these student packets are helpful because we can do all the printing, we can do the worksheets, we can, you know, all of that stuff we can we can do and supply and and kit for the district to make it more equitable for the students that are learning from home. 
That, that, that's fantastic. Uh, so one of the things about this podcast is obviously every business is a business and there's so much about as you bring understanding technology, even film and storytelling and then website and, and marketing. But there's that added layer here of family and generations. So how tell, I mean, how, how tell, talk about how you and your father working together, how you make decisions. Oh, that's interesting. Well or not, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so I guess I can, I'll speak to it from my perspective. Um, my, the way that my process for making decisions is a very um, collaborative process. Okay. The way I do it is I, I, I talk to people. I do my research. Um, and I'm really lucky that I still have my dad here because we make most of these decisions together. Sure. And I think we, we have different perspectives, but I think that's really important when it comes to making the best decision you can. Um, and I rely heavily on my dad and those around me. And I'm very lucky to be surrounded by very smart people that I love and adore and respect um, in my family and outside of my family. Um, and then my, my soon to be husband or, or husband, depending on when you launch this. <laughs> yes. You're getting married very soon. Yes. Um, he's, he's brilliant. He's the smartest man I know. And I, he and I share a common interest in business and we talk about it all the time. We listen to podcasts about it all the time. And, um, it's not stressful conversations. It's really enjoyable conversations with us because it's a common interest and I rely heavily on him in um, my decision-making process in order for me to, to talk through things and, and get perspective on he's things. He's in the ECA business or he's in a different? Not. Okay. He's actually a financial advisor. Got it. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you've, and, and so, but staying on that is when you all call, you know, you mentioned the Thanksgiving one year and could you travel and not and getting involved. So when you get together for family events like that, do, are you able as a group to separate family and business or is there a lot of ECA talk? So, um, we, there's ECA talk for sure. We, we, I don't know that we separate it. Um, and I guess Christian, my fiance, he always jokes, uh, you guys know, I don't work there. You guys know that I'm not, in <laughs> he's always here. I mean, he's in the warehouse. He's always here talking with us about it. And, um, but he doesn't actually work here. Um, yeah, no, at, at Thanksgiving and stuff, we're always talking about stuff. We're talking about how do you get lady, where can we find ladybugs cheaper? I mean, we're, we do live animals too. I don't know if sure. I mentioned that. No, I, that was my original sort of picture of a science kit was, you know, working with animals and live creatures and learning about Yeah, Yeah, it's a very weird side of our business. Um, we... We do for the life sciences. The teachers need um, different stuff. They need worms and isopods and all that kind of stuff. Butter caterpillars to butterflies and crayfish and all that. And um, we actually do it totally differently than anyone else does it. Um, we we do it on on an automated schedule for the teachers because we're managing their kits. Um, most of the time, teachers have a coupon. They have to remember to mail in a coupon. It takes two weeks to get it if the animals arrive not alive, then they got a call. It takes another more, another week to get it. So our system allows us to automate it, keep everybody on a schedule. And then when we, uh, 
when we go out and pick up the science kits, we actually pick up the live animals too, and we don't kill them, we quarantine them, let them live out their lives. Um, and teachers love us for that. Um, that that's, I mean, there's so much more uh, supply chain and logistics to your business than I realized as you talk about it. Yeah, and I should have, what I should have done for you today, because I know you can see I me, mean, people. Well, we, we uh, I mean, we were gonna do the warehouse tour, which, you know, again, another, COVID-19 challenge guests in the operation. So we'll get, yeah. that would yeah, be. We'll have to rain check on that one, but I I also would have shown you a teacher guide and just shown you okay. like, here's all the materials that teachers get and you flip the page and there's three pages of, of uh, materials that the teachers have to go out and get and spend their money on. Um, it's it's a very interesting business. I didn't know I didn't know how much was asked of teachers until I got into it. And, and, you know, with your, your background and literally bringing Hollywood to your business a little bit, what for yourself are you working on as a new skill or something you're trying to better yourself or, or bring, bring to the future, you know, post of honeymoon, I guess, if you will. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I don't, you know, I have a list about of about five things that I want to start doing. My life right now is not my own. It's very focused on back to school season and, and very much focused on getting married and family and all of that. Um, but when I can, I really wanna learn another language um, okay. and get back into that. I studied Spanish in school, but I, I've always wanted to study French as well. Um, I want to learn how to play the harmonica, <laughs> which is- Why the harmonica? <laughs> And I'd love to learn more about photography. Um, there's so so okay. often in business, I wish I could just snap that photo and make it what I want it to be and capture it. And um, I'd love to learn more about photography to to do that. No, that that that's great because it it I mean that is a business that serves or you said supports teachers. And I would assume that part of what makes someone work at ECA is kind of have that love of lifelong learning. I mean, it can't just be static. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think my my dad and I definitely have an itch to learn and uh, continue to grow and evolve. But my dad and I have two different skill sets. Um, I think my dad is an entrepreneur. Okay. I don't know that I classify as an entrepreneur. Um, my skill set is really, you know, I can come in and help take the, the company to the next level. And I think through that skill set, you have to be a little bit of an entrepreneur. You have to be a little bit um, of a risk taker and kind of change and evolve. Uh, and I that you've just that. gotten at the crux or the heart of why I've been doing this podcast. And for myself, I mean, the founder does take all those risks, create something, build something mm -hmm. from the beginning. Someone like you, you get to come in. It's an opportunity. It's mm -hmm. not handed to you. You're working together. You, you're trying to make something out of it, but it already exists. So yeah, I mean, just getting to the idea of the student kits, you know, there can be, it can be one little change that changes the legacy of the business too. Yeah, so let's stay on this for a second because I think it's interesting. I think that there's a huge misconception with family businesses and, and generational businesses um, that you walk into it and it is all the kinks are ironed out and it's plug and play and you've inherited a well-oiled machine. That was not my experience coming in. I don't, I haven't met it. I mean, you, have you met anybody on your podcast that has 
walked into a well-oiled machine? No, I, I, I think ever, if, if the description of democracy is that it's messy, uh, the description of any one of these family businesses behind the curtain, it's messy. Yes. Even if it's perceived to be utopia, uh, there are still, you know, and, and the more you spend time in it, the more you see things that you want to address or like to change or do, and you have to pick your spots and you and have I to bring also, entrepreneurial spirit to it. Definitely. And I also think that there's so many things that you can't foresee and that you don't have control over. The pandemic is a great example. And if I had any advice to give um, to, to generational businesses, um, I would say, don't be afraid of change. Right. My dad is Wonderful. absolutely fearless when it comes to change. And he's always listening to what his, our clients need. And because of that, we've been able to grow. And because of that, it creates innovation within the company. And we can talk about how to change and pivot and all those other buzzwords. But being open to that and willing to do that, it leads to so much more. And it's just, for me, change, being open to change is critical to success. That That's beautifully said. And, and it's, I know there was a point in my earlier years rejoining our family business where I heard in the hallway or whatever, he's trying to change everything. And my response was, it may feel that way because I'm just trying to change a few things. And at that point, I'm talking about a company that was 80 years old already. It's now 91. Knowing it needed to change, it may feel like really dramatic change. And you're just trying to change a couple of little things. But you know, resting on your laurels is sort of the worst and scariest things that generational businesses can do. And I try and ask it the other way too, like what prevents someone from changing? And I don't know that I have an answer, but I, I'm curious if anyone else might. Um, I don't know if you have like a, a message board or something, but maybe people can share with us. I'm just curious, like what is it that paralyzes people, that prevents people? Are they tired? Are they, you know, have, you know, what is it that prevents them from getting out of their own way to make these changes? And these principles we're talking about, there's some added sometimes texture because it's a family business and legacy stuff, but they apply to if IBM is going through these same conversations. Uh, I mean, it has, has some of those same kind of things. Well, the, so I guess. The, and I think just one last thought on that. I think I got really lucky with my dad being my dad because his whole philosophy is about curiosity and asking questions and engaging. And so I think just naturally he's a learner, he's a grower, he wants to change and evolve. And as an entrepreneur, he, he does one project, he wants to move on to the next and that's what keeps him going. And so just naturally I've fallen into that passion and excitement and he's really led by example with um, being open to change. Well, I, I think naturally one of the things I've noticed about you is you've been in some of those ambassador meetings and other things <laughs> is that you have in that so DNA of this we, company. Can we explain what the ambassador so is? The ambassadors are people <laughs> who have been through the Goldman Sachs small business program who are then trying to keep the group together, trying to <laughs> share ideas, but you ask, you ask questions, you ask good right. questions. And that Mr. Wizard DNA that your organization has, which is, and that's, that is science. I mean, you're, you're trying some things 
that you can answer where there's a definitive answer. And then as marketers, we also know you're answering things where there is not necessarily a yes. right answer or a single answer. And uh, the fun thing about this podcast is some of the people who have said no to being on it are people who they sure like to ask the questions, but they don't want to have to answer any questions. Yeah. Like I haven't, well, gotten a, I haven't gotten a lawyer who will be on this darn podcast yet. Why? They don't like to answer questions. They want to ask them. Right. Right. And I feel that I feel that I'm, you know, this is getting me out of my comfort zone. This is my first podcast that I've ever done. Um, but it is, you know, you, you get, you just worry, you worry about what you're going to say. And I think it can be paralyzing sometimes. And I'm proud of myself for being brave enough to do it. You, you kind of answered that question about the why not change, why struggle with some of those things that in hindsight appear obvious within generational businesses. Mm -hmm. And it is because of either overthink or over worry or feeling like somebody's watching. My test is always we commit and we do something. And shortly thereafter, people will go, why didn't we do that years ago? Right. That's when we know like when you rechange, when you redid the whole website, I'll bet within ECA people went, man, it would have been great to have this website a year earlier. Yep. Not why did we do this? So yep. that that's pretty exciting. Last thing I got to ask you is just this is part of more the emotional and the heart part of, of it. What what is what's the most fulfilling thing for you about this generational business? Mm. I just think, you know, I, I, I mean, there's so many levels to that. I don't know that I can succinctly answer that. It's, it's a family business. It's my family, you know? Um, so for me, carrying on this legacy is important on that level, but on in a bigger picture level, I don't think that that would have been enough for me to fall in love with this company and this business just because of family. Um, what's really had me fall in love with it is I've seen my sister, she's got four kids and I start seeing the next generation of, um, students. And I start thinking about, you know, going to the, the doctors and how maybe that doctor was in a school that had ECA's support and the teacher did the science kits. And maybe that's why they're a doctor today. And I just, you, you start seeing it differently as you, you get older and as you see people um, find their passions and you wonder, did you have an influence? Did you have that's an impact on that? Beautiful. And that's what really gets me. That's great. And yeah. any, anything else I forgot to ask or touch on when you think about the, 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 you know, the journey that ECA is, is, has been on and is still on and will be on. No, I, you know, I think that, um, this is such a great podcast and, um, I, I had so many things I wanted to say and I still do, and I could talk to you for hours, but I think you covered a lot and, um, I would love to come back on and do a follow-up one one day too, or, or flip the role and interview you for this podcast. Well, I've been, I, we'll <laughs> talk about that. Cause that's a, that's a, that's a future concept. Well, Heidi Harlan representing ECA science kits and the second generation of a business that's got some it sounds like nieces and nephews in the beginning of sort of thinking about G3. That's really great. Oh, maybe. <laughs> I really, I really thank you for doing this. Thank you so much, Jamie. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to Sam Daly, Eric Head, and Joel Bienenfeld at SMZ for helping make Generation Excellence, well, excellent. Until next time, I'm Jamie Michelson. <laughs>